Let us pray. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the way that you have orchestrated this worship experience today. Now, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would have its way in this preaching moment. I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable unto thee. For, Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Let us all say amen. Before I launch into the message this morning, let me just add my voice to those who have welcomed you already this morning, those who are worshiping online, those who are here in the sanctuary, and especially our friends from the St. Michael's Church, led by my friend, Reverend Beth Franklin. During the week and the weeks prior to this service, Reverend Franklin and I were wrestling with whether we would just have one joint service in one church or we would still have the two services like we had last year. And we decided that we would have two services and we would have one service next year and we would work towards that. But God had a different plan. And so God vetoed our plans and he decided that we would have one service together on today. So God always has God's way. Let us look to the word of the Lord. One of my and my wife's favorite television shows in recent years has been the show This Is Us. It aired on NBC for six or seven seasons from 2016 to 2022. And what I personally liked about the series before it ended last year was the fact that it dealt with a diversity of human experiences. Now, if you've never seen the show and you might think you want to binge watch it, you might want to listen because I'm about to give you the overall plot. <laughs> For those who did not watch the series, um, this is briefly an overview of what was involved. This is us followed the lives of three siblings named Kevin, Kate and Randall and their parents, Jack and Rebecca Pearson. It takes place mainly in the present, but it uses flashbacks and flash forwards to show other significant moments in the family's history. Kevin and Kate are a white set of triplets, um, the two that have survived, um, who were born to their father, Jack and Rebecca. Their third triplet was born, stillborn. Believing they were meant to have three children, the parents, Jack and Rebecca, decide to adopt Randall, who was a black child who was born on the same day as Kevin and Kate and he was placed in the same maternity ward. Randall, their black adopted child, had been brought to the hospital after being left at a fire station by his biological father, who believed that Randall's mother had died from a drug overdose. The show centers around the three siblings now, Kevin, Kate, and Randall, and their parents, Jack and Rebecca. As the lives of the Pearsons unfold, Jack, the father, of Kevin, Candle, and Kate, and Randall, and the husband of Rebecca dies when the children are about 17 years old due to a heart attack that he suffered as a result of a fire. After the husband's death, Rebecca marries Miguel. Miguel is Latino. So you have sometimes alive and sometimes dead a white father, a white mother, a Latino stepfather, two white children, and one black child. This is us. If this degree of diversity with the Pearson family is not enough, 
The family later learns that one of Randall's daughters is a lesbian and that Randall's biological father may have been also bisexual. This is us. In addition to this additional diversity, over time, Kate deals with her lifelong struggle with morbid obesity. Kevin deals with alcoholism and addiction. Randall deals with panic attacks. Rebecca deals with Alzheimer's. And Miguel deals with accepting his Latino identity. This is us. My short summary of the plot of the show, This Is Us, doesn't do justice to the complex layers that were unpacked during the sixth season of the show's runs. Layers of humanity that dealt with the beautiful yet messiness of being us. Those who were created in the image of God and according to the likeness of God. It is this beautiful messiness of who we are as humans, this usness, and the need for diversity in our usness, especially in the church, that I'd like to deal with on this morning. And so for this morning, I'd like to deal with the topic, this is us. This is us. As Christians, Genesis is the beginning of the creation story. It's recorded beginning of God revealing God's self to us, the humans that God created. God's revelation of God's self took place from the beginning and in the beginning. That continued throughout the experiences of the patriarchs and the matriarchs of faith, through the enslavement, liberation, and the wanderings of the Israelites, through the prophetic messages of the prophets, through the life and example of Jesus Christ, through the coming of the Holy Spirit, through the development of the church, through the revelations that are presently unfolding and yet to unfold. Psalm 24 reminds us that God created this world and everything in it, and since doing so, God has been revealing God's self to us. The creation story, our story, begins in the beginning in Genesis 1 and 2, where there are two accounts of creation. Most of us are familiar with both accounts, which are attributed to so-called different sources. For the sake of time, we won't deal with that in depth. But I would like for us to consider a version of Genesis 2, even though we will spend most of our time in Genesis 1. I'd like to do so by sharing a, a short excerpt from James Weldon Johnson's poem entitled, The Creation. It's a part of, of a poetry ensemble from God's Trombone. And if you don't know who James Weldon Johnson is, he's best known for writing the lyrics of the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. His brother, Rosamond, wrote uh, the music for that. And so he was a poet. And I'm only going to be able to read a portion of the creation because it is a long work, but this is what we need to hear this morning. And God stepped out on space and he looked around and said, I'm lonely. I'll make me a world. Then God walked around and God looked around on all that he had made. He looked at his sun. He looked at his moon. He looked at his little stars. He looked on his world with all its living things. And God said, I'm still lonely. Then God sat down on the side of a hill where he could think. By a deep, wide river, he sat down. With his head in his hands, God thought and thought, till he thought, I'll make me a man. Up from the bed of the river, 
God scooped the clay, and by the bank of the river, he kneeled him down. And there the great God Almighty, who lit the sun and fixed it in the sky, who flung the stars to the most far corner of the night, who rounded the earth in the middle of his hand, this great God, like a mammy bending over her baby, kneeled down in the dust, toiling over a lump of clay till he shaped it in his own image. Then into it, he blew the breath of life and man became a living soul. Amen, amen. The basis of James Weldon Johnson's poetic account of creation celebrates that humankind was formed from clay, from the dust of the ground, Genesis 2-7 says. All of us, whether we are black or white, Asian or Latino or a mixture of races, we are all made by the hand of God with the same stuff, the dirt, and the dust of the ground. And while some with a supremacist mindset like to fool themselves into believing that one race is superior to another race, all races come from one human prototype who was formed from the dust or the dirt from the ground all to make the human race. In fact, based upon my study of scripture, I would argue that the racial separateness that exists today did not exist in the beginning nor from the beginning, but rather it is a byproduct of sin. But as we seek to understand our usness, my word, not a, a real word, but we must understand that we are all made in, of the same stuff and we all have the same stuff within us. It's here that we find our first point for today. This is us and we all have the same stuff within us. This is us and we all have the same stuff within us. We accept the word of God by faith. We don't use science or archaeology to prove the word of God. And so we accept the biblical account of the creation by faith. However, sometimes it's good when science confirms what the Bible has already said. Science now confirms that all human life comes from one common ancestor, which they refer to as Luca, the last universal common ancestor. Sounds like Adam to me. And scientists also believe that the origins of humanity can be traced back to Africa. All humans shared a common direct maternal ancestor known as mitochondrial Eve. Sounds like Eve to me. Not only did we all come from the same dust of the ground, but we all have the breath of God within us. Genesis 2, 7 goes on to say that God formed humankind from the dust of the earth. God breathed the breath of life into humans and the human became a living being. What makes us a living human being is God's breath within us. And when God withdraws God's breath from us, then we cease to be a living human being. Each of us, no matter our racial identity, our humanity is tied directly to the breath of God. Every time in our usness that we see each other breathe in and breathe out, we are seeing the breath of God that's at work in our lives and in the lives of others. God God's divine breath is the unifying force in each of us, no matter 
whether we're black or white or Asian or Latino, we all have the same breath of God that's breathing in and out of us. And I dare say that every time we breathe in and we breathe out, every time we look at someone else, breathe in and breathe out, we're watching a divine miracle that's taking place in our very lives. And so we are all made from the same stuff. We were given life by the same stuff, the breath of God. How is it then that some of us think we're superior to others because of the color of our skin or the color of someone else's skin? Superior because of the education that we have or the education that they don't have. Superior because of the family that I came from and the family that you didn't come from. Superior based on the schools that I went to and the schools that you couldn't go to. Superior because of my powerful connections and inferior because you don't have the same connection. It would do us all well to remember that we come from the same dirt and we all have the same divine breath within us In fact, not only do we come from the same dirt and have the same divine breath within us, but we're all going back to the same dirt, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And so as we consider this theme of this is us, I would want us to understand this is us and we all have the same stuff within us for most of the rest of the time of this message will be in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, which is known from the beginning, the book of beginnings, as one commentary notes in the beginning, probably relates to the beginning of ordered creation, meaning temporal order, time ordered. It goes on to say time began with God's ordering and the seven day time of God's creating establishes a temporal pattern throughout all generations. I hope that we accept as a characteristic of God that God has always existed, that God exists at this very moment, and that God will always exist. And so when Genesis 1 makes reference to in the beginning, Genesis is not saying that God began to exist in the recorded verses of Genesis 1. No, God has always existed. What Genesis 1 is referring to as in the beginning was when God began to order space and time. Now that's enough philosophy for us this morning. I must pause just for a moment. When I reflect on the notion of in the beginning, it reminds me of a trend that's on Facebook these days. It's a trend where people caption photos and say how it began or started and how it's going. And so for instance, on Tuesday of this week, Reverend Tina and I will be celebrating our 35th, 31st wedding anniversary. I might post a picture of the two of us when we first got married in 1992, and I would say how it began. And then I would post a picture of us now and say how it's going. As I considered this text, I began to think about that how it began and how it's going situation. I began to think about the Garden of Eden and how it began and how it's going. I began to think about the situation and say, how did creation look when God created it? And how 
does it look now? What happened from the beginning and what happened now? Because I'm here to tell you that it's my belief that how it began, there were no racial divisions. There was no divide among humankind. But somewhere along the way, it changed that now we're separated by everything that God has blessed us with to be different. We don't understand that diversity is good and God created diversity, but what he didn't create was racism and racial separatism. And so how did we get there? The members of Lomax right now in Bible study are, are studying the kingdom of God. And last week we talked about the fact that there's a difference between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of this world is upside down and contrary to everything that is the kingdom of God. And we talked about the fact that in the beginning, the kingdom of God was perfect. Some kind of way, the kingdom of this world got off track. And I want to suggest to you that we find the answer in the Genesis where we see that sin came into the picture and everything that was supposed to be some kind of way got flipped and turned upside down. So we now live in this kingdom of this world and everything is upside down. And God is trying to right that which sin has damaged. I would argue that racism and racial separatism is a byproduct of sin. It's part of the kingdom of this world, and we're not meant to live by the standards of this world. We were always intended to live in the kingdom of God, one that does not have any racism and any racial separatism. Be clear, I'm not advocating for a viewpoint like Clarence Thomas or Tim Scott that argues that we should not see race. Every time I walk into a room, every time I get on an elevator, every time I pass someone in the street, you know, you see that I am black. No one can walk around and not see race. But what I am arguing for is that we ought to be able to love one another, notwithstanding our differences. And I use Jesus as an example. Jesus found himself by a well with a Samaritan woman. That Samaritan woman was a totally different race being Samaritan and Jesus being a Jew. He should have shunned her. He should have had nothing to do with her. But in the heat of the day, Jesus decided that he would have fellowship with someone who didn't look like him. That's what we're all called to do. And I'm here to tell you that in the times that we're living in right now, we are in the midst of the heat of the day. I haven't lived a long time. I'm only 56 years old. I'll be 57 next month. But we know that we are in some bad times right now. It seems like our world is spinning out of control and we have to get to a point where we can understand that we've got to learn to fellowship with one another. And so remember that we all have the same stuff within us. So by the time we get to the sixth day of creation, as recorded in Genesis 1:26, God is ready to make humankind. In fact, it's kind of funny that humans were created on the back end of the sixth day. God created all the other things that walked on the earth, and then he created us. And don't let us forget we were created after the animals on the back end of the day. Sometimes we get a little too full of ourselves. Well, 
in verse 26, we find these words. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. It is here that we see our second point. This is us and us made us in their image and likeness. I'm going to have to say that again. This is us and us made us in, the, in their image and likeness. I don't know about you, but for a long time I was confused why in Genesis 1, 21, 26, it says, let us make humankind in our image. Who is this us that was doing creating at the beginning? Well, you know, if there's anything that's confusing, theologians will debate it. So let me give you two possible understandings of this us. Some have argued that us is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the easy view. It's easy to think that in the beginning there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know that as Methodists we believe in the Trinity. I did a little research on Episcopalians as well. And what I read says that Episcopalians don't have a whole lot of dogma, but two things that are part of their dogma, one is that they believe in the Trinity. So we're all on the same page with this Trinity thing. We all believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so if the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son were present during creation, then perhaps that is the us that the scriptures are referring to. That's the easy version. That works for me real quick, fast, and easy. But the more difficult view is that the us that's referred to in Genesis 1.26 refers to God in conversation and creation with something known as the divine council or court that was a part of creation and that God, according to these very brilliant theologians, consulted with this divine council and this divine court and God said, I will allow you to participate in the creative process. Well, if you accept this understanding of this is us, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, then I would argue that when we refuse to see each other beyond our race and we get focused on our race, we are devaluing other human beings and God didn't give us authority to be a part of his creative process. He decided to do the creative process with the other parts of the divine council and we aren't a part of it. We didn't create us. We had nothing to do with our creation. God created us. So how dare we undervalue and devalue someone that we did not create and we were not a part of the creative process. When we devalue members of the human race because they are different ethnicity, then we do so and we take away God's own very authority. Only God is the one that can create. And God did not tell me or you that we could create anything. Us. We need to realize that this is us, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who made us in their image and in their likeness. Us is the divine counsel that God allowed to participate in the creative process. Now, I don't want to get too deep on you, but what I do want to share is this. When we talk about the notion of us, I'm reminded of a poem by, or a, a, a work of literature by Alice Walker. How many of you all have seen The Color Purple? If you live in the house with my wife, my God, I don't know how many times she's watched The Color Purple. 
to the point that it's like so annoying to watch it with her because she's repeating all the dialogue. And I'm like, I, I didn't come to hear you repeat the dialogue. I came to watch the movie. So for all you super saved saints, close your ears, but I'm about to share one of the most important lines from The Color Purple. In The Color Purple, no, I don't need you to do it. <laughs> In The Color Purple, the major line that Alice Walker wrote is she says this, I think it pisses God off if you walk by a color purple in a field somewhere and you don't notice it. This morning, I want to argue that I think it pisses God off if you walk by a white person, a black person, an Asian person, a Latino person, a person of mixed ethnicity, and you don't see God in that person. If you don't see the creative spark, the divine spark in everyone that you walk by, I think it makes God really mad when we do that. Well, God is in every person then why is it that some of us, and especially our churches, are only a reflection of one race? On Sunday mornings, Lomax, as we would say in our community, is blackity black. There are very few other races in the building. And I've been to St. Michael's, and when we're not there, we know that St. Michael's is extremely white on Sunday mornings. Why is that? Is that what God intended for us to be and for the way he wanted us to live. I'm reminded of Revelation where it says, after this I looked and there was a great multitude and no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne of the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. Who are these robed in white and where did they come from? They are those who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. This is us and us made us and we were made in the image of God. Now, St. Michael's, I'm rushing to my clothes. Lomax is used to this. It's about 30 minutes before I'm done. But since we only had one service today, I'm taking a little bit of Pastor Beth's time so that I can get to this third and final point, which is this. This is us, but it's not about us. This is us, but it's not about us. Genesis 1.26 reminds each of us that in our usness, that we were created in the image of God according to the likeness of God. As one commentary notes, fundamentally the image functions to mirror God to the world, to be God as God would be if God were walking around in the world, for us to be an extension of who God is. God did not create the fish in God's image. God did not create creepy crawly things in God's image. God did not create the beasts of the field in God's image. No, we were the only ones who were created in the image and the likeness of God. And so why did God do that? He did that because he gave us a special assignment that everywhere we go, we ought to be a reflection of who God is everywhere we go, with everyone we see, in everything we do. In her famous song, You're So Vain, 
Carly Simon says, you're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. Don't you? Don't you? Well, in our usness, we seem to think that life is all about us. Don't we? Don't we? God had me stop by to remind us, this is us, but it is not about us. It's about each of us reflecting God to the world, a world that does not know God. And what kind of reflection are we to the world? If we're walking around with a separatist mindset, a mindset that says, I'm better than somebody else, how then can we say that we are a mirror image of who God is, which leads me to a question. How can we, the church, be a reflection of God if we cannot get beyond this race question? How can we be the kingdom of God on earth if we can't get beyond this race question? It's not about us. It's about the sin that caused racism. And so Jesus came to be that antidote. That means we've got to get beyond the sin of racism. It's not about us and the racism that we experienced that caused us to close ourselves off and become the AME Zion Church. At some point, we have to be healed of that racism so that we can be a reflection of who God wants us to be. It's not about us and the racism that we perpetrated on others even as the Episcopal Church, as you confront your institutional racism, it's about getting beyond the past through the blood of Jesus Christ so that you as the Episcopal Church can be a better reflection of who Jesus Christ is. It's not about any of us, but it's all about God, who in Genesis 1.31 records that he saw everything that God had made, and indeed it was very good on the sixth day of creation. It was very good until sin came into the picture. And so you know I have to stop by the cross before I leave this place. Sin stepped into the picture and as a result of sin we are now in a fallen world a world that does not reflect the God that we worship. And so until we allow the blood of Jesus to come into our lives and change us and transform us and make us into new creations that were intended from Genesis 1 so that we can become what we're supposed to be by the time we get to Revelation. That is what it's all about. And so, this is us. We are black, white, Asian, Latino, and a mix of ethnicities. This is us. We are rich, we are poor, we're educated and uneducated. We're powerful and powerless. This is us. We're Methodists and Episcopalians. This is us. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is us. We all have the same stuff within us. This is us. We were made in the image and likeness of God. This is us, but it's not about us. So I stopped by to tell somebody today that if you don't recognize that the usness of God is having its way in your life and in everything that you do, you won't be able to allow yourself to reflect the image of God to someone who doesn't know about the goodness of God. Each of us has to die a little bit. Each of us has to change a little bit. Each of us has to recognize that the way we're doing it is not the way that God intended for it to be done. So stop patting ourselves on the back 
that we're the good old Episcopal church, that we're the good old AME Zion church, and become the church of God, the church that God always intended for us to be. This is us. Are you ready to do the work of becoming the us that represents who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen.